This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Former NFL quarterback for both the Lions and the Steelers these days. He's doing analyst work on the Steelers radio network. Charlie Batch, good enough to hop aboard with us for a couple minutes. Charlie, Jody Mack here. How you doing today, bud? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Pretty good. Appreciate you coming on board. Um, well, we'll start pretty simplistic. On a scale of A plus to F, and I have complete confidence you understand how that scale grade works. How would you grade Mitch Trubisky's first two performances in combination uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers this year? Well, I think I would give him a C plus, and that's only because they're playing 500 ball, and that's what their record indicates. He didn't turn the ball over in week one against the Bengals, but unfortunately he did turn it over, and it ultimately caused it. Wouldn't say that, that turnover cost a loss, but you know he turned that ball over, and anytime you do that, that's not something you want to do as a quarterback. So right now, because they are one and one right now, I'll go with C plus. Do you think that Mike ha- uh, Tomlin has handled this quarterback situation, let's call it? It was a competition before the season started now that Trubisky has started the first two games. It becomes a situation from the opening of camp until we sit here today. Has Tomlin handled, uh, Mike Tomlin handled it correctly in your estimation? Well, yeah, he handled it correctly only because there really was no um, quarterback competition. Mitch Trubisky, he's been taking the starter reps since the uh, OTA started back in May, and he rode that out all the way through training camp. And when you go through it and everybody talked about the competitions, I was I was there 17 of the 20 practices that they had up in Latrobe in St. Vincent's College, and Kenny Pickett didn't take any starter reps. Mason Rudolph didn't take any starter reps. So this was uh, Mitch Trubisky from the beginning. Did Trubisky do enough to hold that, if that's the way it was – played out and evaluated, and it was, in your estimation, the way you just stated it, Mitch Trubisky's job to lose, would you say he was good enough to have not lost it? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I mean, he really did have a good training camp. And, you know, all the indication was trending up, and you're like, okay, you're feeling good about what you saw out there, especially as they were rotating in. Um, So that was something that I I was pleased with coming out of training camp. Then it was just a matter of really how long he was going to be able to hold off on it because when you have games in the manner that they played this week, everybody's now clamoring for Kenny Pickens. And and whether or not that happens or not, it's just, you know, that that's something that the chatter from the outside is everything that Mr. Bishy's going to hear. It's just a matter of whether he can block that out and really just truly focus on trying to win football games right now. And this is a pivotal game for really Mr. Bisky in his early Steelers career because he has to get this win tomorrow night. If he does not, now you have 10 days to figure out what you're going to do as you prepare for the Jets on October 1st. So this is going to be a really interesting game, and all eyes will be focusing on it for sure. Agreed and understand. Um, Again, asking you to evaluate the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. For me, from afar, and you know much better, you're there, you're a former Steeler, you're doing uh, analyst work for them these days. 
I've always thought of Tomlin as a guy who doesn't let chatter come into it, that he is narrow-focused, he has his room, he doesn't let outside influences influence him. Would you agree with that stance that I take on the Steeler coach? No, I absolutely agree with that because if that was the case, you better believe after that first preseason game, especially after the second preseason game against the Jaguars, everybody was now yelling, hey, you, now is the time to put Kenny Pickens in. And that was not the case. And Mike Tomlin was like, listen, I know what we're doing. I know that he's sticking with the plan. He got the defense in order. They played very well you know, in that week one opening against the Bengals. And, of course, T.J. Watt missing in the second game against the Patriots. Yeah, that, that's going to impact that particular defense. But that Mike Tomlin is a guy that understands what he's looking for, and he has the players buying in. Even though we're all looking at it from a panic perspective as we now enter into this week three matchup, that's not the case with Mike, Mike Tomlin right now. All right, so let me ask you to analyze what the Pittsburgh Steelers should be attempting to achieve over the course of this season. As we are two games in, Steelers are 1-1, one one, the Ravens are 1-1, one one, the Browns are 1-1, one one, and the Bengals were the favorite before the season started because they went to the Super Bowl out of the AFC last year are 0-2, chances are you're not going to need to win 12 games to win this division. At least that's the way the first two weeks have played out. What are the Steelers attempting to do here? Is it a season to get their look at Kenny Penn? Find out if he's the guy. Is They think Trubisky is the guy who will find ways to win for him, kind of the way he did week number one against Cincinnati. Um, yeah, he didn't do quite as much week two against New England and through his first pick. What are the Steelers ach- attempting to achieve this year, and how does who their quarterback is play into that? Yeah, well, I think in a perfect world, I think that you don't want to see Kenny Pickett at all because if that's the case, I mean, Mitch is playing well. You got the team, you know, and hopefully at top of the division in, in playoff considerations. So that's probably the, the ideal situation. But I think if this season moves on you know, we're going to all figure this out. And I say figure it out because right now this team does not have an identity specifically on the offensive side of the ball. For two years, Steelers owner uh, Rooney has talked about improving the running game. You made a move last year with Najee Harris. You're trying to improve that offensive line, but yet the numbers and the stats aren't where it needs to be. And that ultimately impacts the play-action game on what you're doing with this Steelers offense. So it starts with the identity. Right now they don't have it. You start seeing the rumblings right now happening with the receivers, and they're saying, you know, we've got to call more plays down the field, and it just seems like more finger-pointing is going on than usual right now. So I think that's going to be something that we're all going to pay attention to, and I just think we're too early in the season to say, what is it, you know, ultimately, what are we looking for? Mike Tomlin has not waved in the white flag. He has not said that this is a rebuilding year. They fully expect to be competing for the division and expecting to be in the playoffs and hopefully make a playoff run. Where is Najee Harris at right now health-wise? That part, I don't, it's hard to really figure out because he did miss a lot of time with a foot injury. They didn't identify what it was. Come to find out it was a sprain of the Lynn Sprank. And after two games, he's literally less than 80 yards. And you're wondering, does he have that explosiveness? And is that foot still bothering him? When I'm looking at it, to me, it looks like it's still lingering. And he's not as explosive as he once was. So it's going to be real interesting to see how it impacts this week. Because you have a short week as they play tomorrow night. 
and hopefully he gets that many bye week with the 10 days that you would have before the Jets game. But I think the foot injury is going to be something that's going to linger throughout the entire year. Now it just becomes manageable. And at his young career, we're all going to see how he handles this particular situation. Charlie Batch, former uh, Steeler QB, uh, also analyst for them on their radio network, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, I asked you to grade uh, the quarterback for the first two games. I'm going to ask you to do the same for the Steelers' offensive line. If you want to, feel free to break it down to pass blocking, run blocking, if there's a significant difference in your eyes or if you just want to give us a general grade. How do you think the Steelers' offensive line is played first two weeks of the yeah, season? I would give them a C. I mean, they did they did some okay things in the passing game. They kept Mitch clean. They did give up one sack against the Patriots, but I think that fell on Mitch more than anything. Um, so it didn't reflect on that offensive line and those stats wise. It will, but the thing that so I'm 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 okay with the passing game. The problem and the concern for me is that running game. They just don't get enough push, and they're not getting the running game going in the manner that you're seeing on other teams. So it's just really I'm right on edge as it relates to it. And they know all the focal point is on them because when you identify strength and weaknesses of teams, everyone's quick to identify, okay, the weakness of the Steelers team is their offensive line. Did they do enough in free agency? So I think they're all up for the task of now trying to prove everybody wrong, but it just comes down to that point right now, again, it's too early after two weeks, but I think if you, you know you kind of go back on one side, okay with the passing game, not as not so impressive in the running game. Major problem the Steelers have, and it's uh, not their fault, but when you lose a guy like uh, Mr. Watt on defense, yeah, it's going to take a hit. There's no way you're going to be as good without him as you were with him. Uh, but there is certainly no individual who's going to step in and come close to giving you the kind of production that he does. How will the Steelers go about retooling, maybe changing their defense without Watt? Because it's just not the same D when he's not on the field. Yeah, it's not. And, and you could better believe, you know, opposing coaches are not going to be threatened by whoever that guy, the next guy up is. And that's been something that really they've been looking for to see who that rotational linebacker was going to be after T.J. Watt and uh, Alex Highsmith. So right now they're still trying to figure out they made some moves, but yet they're still so early that we don't even know you know, what they're going to be capable of bringing to this particular defense. So the Steelers, schematic-wise, they did a few things differently. They tried to use Cam Hayward on the outside if they were now trying to secure edge on the running game and then moving him back inside. So I think they're still trying to figure that out. Defensive coordinator Terrell Austin will now have to come up with something creative and hopefully lean on a great defensive mind like you have like a, uh, Brian Flores as a linebacker coach and saying, hey, we need some help in trying to identify some of these other defensive schemes to help offset that until T.J. gets back. All right. You touched on this earlier, the game coming up Thursday night, and then you got time thereafter. And, oh, yeah, everybody will be having Charlie Batch on to talk about the quarterback situation, depending on how it goes this week. But Cleveland in week three, Cincinnati week one, sandwiched in between with the Patriots, and there's some good rivalry there, even though they're in uh, as opposite divisions. Uh, and now the Browns probably the number one steal of rivalry here in week number three. Early schedule for the uh, Steelers, a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a good thing because everybody anticipated, okay, October could kind of open up and maybe create a little bit of, of, of flexibility there. But now looking at the way that the schedule has played out, that October schedule is brutal. As you sit back and, you know, the Jets, you didn't think they, they, they would be where they at. But, yeah, they figured out a way to win a game. Then you have the Patriots. I'm sorry, then you have the, uh, the uh, Buccaneers. 
and then you turn around and have the Eagles at the end of the month. So these are things that, you know, this is why I feel that this is a must-win game. And anytime you have two division games coming out of it, you know, in the first three weeks, it's important to really get off to a fast start. Now, Cleveland is kicking themselves because they feel like they should be 2-0. and And you saw today that they had a defensive players-only meeting that to try to figure out some of the miscommunication that's happening. So they're going to be walking on edge, and they know how important this is because right now the Steelers know that they cannot – lose a second game specifically an AFC game when you talk about playoff implications at the end of the season so very critical for both of these teams and I really expect it to be hard hitting but also a low scoring game all right as a former player you can surely give me your honest opinion on this one Nick Chubb came out yesterday and said yeah that's my fault we lost because of me I need to take it all on me I should have just gone down inside the five rather than scoring a touchdown. Then the Jets never get the ball back. They can never recover an onside kick. He was quite honest, and he took the bullet that he deserved to take. If you're a teammate of Nick Chubb, does it make you feel better or make you feel worse? Well, uh, it makes me feel better because he's owning that. As an elite, as a leader, you want him to own that particular discussion. But also, on the flip side, you're like, well, defensively, we have one of the baddest defenses out here. How come you didn't stop Joe Flacco in the Jets? So it's ebb and That's flow true. on both sides. But if, if you're a fan, you're probably happy if you have Nick Chubb on your fantasy team. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's exactly what I said on Sunday, Charlie. <laughs> Don't kid yourself. Nick was thinking, I got to take care of my fantasy guys. I got to get in the end zone. <laughs> well, this will all be for not if the defense of the Browns figured out a way to win this game. But ultimately, because it happened in that manner, and, of course, you get a chance to dissect it, you're like, hey, we could have had a chance to bleed the clock out. And the Jets don't get a chance to, you know, get the ball back. But, unfortunately, those type of things happen. And I think, ultimately, that's why you saw that players-only meeting to say, hey, the offense is doing their part. We have to do our part. Stop anybody who, when we have a chance to take the field, stop that offense to make sure that they don't score and we get our offense the ball back so they can bleed the clock out. So, I understand both situations. But I like the fact at least he owned up from a leadership perspective. And you can say, okay, we're going to continue to ride this out as the year goes on. Because now, in hopes that he made a mistake, you're hoping that he now lights it up on Thursday night to say, guys, I told you I had you you on my back, and I carried you through this Thursday night game. All right, coming back to Mitch Trubisky, via the Browns defense, Miles Garrett, Jadavian Cloudy, they got two serious pass rushers. You gave the offensive line a C for the first couple of games. How do you get Trubisky to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible? What's the Steeler offense going to look like against this Browns defense? Because you know they're bringing pressure off the edge. Oh, you absolutely know that. And it's going to be important, especially when you have, you know, a young Dan Moore Jr. on that left side that's going to have to protect Mr. Trubisky. So this is, these are things that, you know, they're salivating on the other side and saying, okay, we got to get after them. But it's important. And anytime you're playing on the road, you know the opposing team is going to be off to a split-second slow start as it relates to that snap count because you'll be working that silent count. And that's why it's even more important to try to figure out a way to get Najee Harris involved. So, it's going to be – I just don't know. You know, I, I gave the you know Steelers a C, but also that defensive line of the Browns, man, they're up, you know, B-plus, that kind of A territory at this point. So, I think all of that will play itself out tomorrow night. All right, last thing, and I harped on this this weekend on CBS. I'll do so again here now. I'll do so again this weekend when I'm on again because I'm going to do it until something is enacted. Aaron Donald used a helmet as a weapon this year in a preseason practice against the Cincinnati Bengals. 
Everyone saw the video. There's video everywhere these days with everyone having a camera in their hand with their cell phone. It was grainy. It wasn't tightly focused, but it was pretty damn obvious that it was him swinging the helmet, hitting anything that he could possibly get his helmet on, uh, opposition, and maybe even a teammate or two, and understood that the NFL can't directly act because it was a practice. It wasn't a game, but the Rams can absolutely act, and the NFL hasn't uh, twisted the of the arm tack. He used the helmet as a weapon. The guy that you're going to see this weekend, Miles Garrett, did the same thing and got suspended for six games, six games. What Aaron Donald did, he, he could have done more damage because he swung it a couple of times and there were more people around. How has the NFL just been able to sweep this under the rug that Aaron Donald, because he's the best football player on the planet, people are going to forget that he did what he did in that practice against the Bengals? What the hell do you think is going to happen, Mr. Former NFL Player? It's all tough. I mean, and then and, and personal conduct policy, excuse me, has been something I've been talking about for years, including my, my last few years uh, with the Steelers because I was on the executive committee. So I always fought against the personal conduct policy only in the manner because at the time we were dealing with James Harrison when he was hitting people too hard and he was getting suspended. And they're like, well, aren't we playing football? And he's doing it within the rules. So, you know, he got suspended, I think, in 2011 um, on that Monday night game that we were playing against the 49ers, and it was very unfair. And that's why we took a stance as a team against the personal comic policy that's all over the place. And when you look at just where things are at, you know, and, and the manner of how people get suspended, it's just not black and white across the board. And that's the frustrating part that the players have, the NFLPA has, and ultimately the NFL has to figure out. So this is something that we're going to continue to have conversations with year after year. And in this case, it's going to seem like it's game after game if these particular situations happen. Well, good answer out of you, except you didn't answer the question. So I'm going to ask it again. What should happen? What should the NFL do? I know it's hard, but you're good at this. So I expect an answer from you, big guy. What should the NFL do? Should he get off scot-free? Well, I understand you want the clear answer, but every it's a case-by-case basis. And I can go and give you scenario after scenario as it relates to whether or not I feel a player should be suspended. When you get to this particular point, I don't feel like players should be suspended. You can put a fine. Just like Mike Evans, I don't agree that he should be suspended one game for defending his teammate. I would much rather him have and defend his teammate versus not do anything. And then you throw on the film and say, guys, this is how we react. Nobody going, nobody going to fight back. And then that's another discussion that you particularly have. So when you're defending it and you're playing football, these are things that you're now, and I understand the helmet situation is completely different, but when you get to this particular situation as it relates to personal conduct policy as a whole, I'm always going to fight for that. And I fought for it for years, and anybody who knows me knows how much in depth that I went and fought against the people who are executive, on the executive committee of the, con, the, con, uh, the uh, conduct personal conduct. It was a uh, it was committee it was personal conduct was, committee yes no it wasn't a, no it was executive okay, committee was and they're talking about okay. yeah with the player uh, player committee um not it was a player committee versus the uh, nfl as it relates to my position when i was fighting against those guys talking about the personal conduct policies people know how passionate i am with this and that's why it's just hard for me to give you a complete answer because i understand different scenarios happen once a player rep, always a player rep. That's what we know about Charlie Batch. Charlie, great stuff. We appreciate you coming on board. Thanks much. Enjoy the game on Thursday night. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.